Hey, travelers. Just stopping by to let you know that this episode that you are about to listen to is one of our older ones, and we were going through some growing pains at this time. But if you would like to start from where we consider our newest era of quality, I would go ahead and jump to episode 54, The American Bigfoot. Either way, enjoy, travelers. Well, Mystery Mike, that's who we got on today. That's right. How are you, man? You doing all right? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. So, you are one of the co-hosts for the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, which is a podcast that specializes in conspiracy theories, cult activity, and cryptids. Yes. I find that your podcast is extremely entertaining. You guys have great chemistry. The knowledge and the time that you guys put into your research really shows in your podcast. Yeah, I appreciate that. The chemistry is something that a lot of people actually talk about. Declassified Dave is actually my best friend for now close to 20 years. And Slick Frank Sanders is actually my brother. You can see the the chemistry there. Um, you know, Frank knows Dave and vice versa. So we've all known each other and that chemistry just kind of comes together. Nice. So where'd you guys come up with the idea of doing a conspiracy theory podcast? Well, Frank, he's always been into conspiracies. Every time that we would get together, have family get-togethers and whatnot, you come to me and say, hey, did you hear about this? Did you see this video? And I'd do the same to him. And anytime that we got together with Dave, it was kind of the same thing. And we started throwing around these ideas. The podcast itself actually started as as a joke, really. Dave and I were talking on the phone. I said, yeah, man, we should we should start a podcast. I was just recently coming off of a sci-fi film podcast that I was doing. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I got to get into something else. You know, my co-host left, you know, the, uh, the film podcast. So I, I really want to jump into another project. And it just kind of felt like the natural way to go, you know, where, where we ended up. <laughs> I'll tell you, listening to your show, it doesn't sound like you guys are getting all those uh, first-time jitters out of the way or anything. It sounds like you guys are battled veterans. Yeah, I mean, I am. The way we look at it is we are having a conversation about stuff that we've always talked about. It's just more laser-focused, and we actually do a lot of research, <laughs> so... It definitely shows. In that last episode that you guys had on, the Zeta Reticuli episode? yes. I've heard of the Betty and Barney Hill incident quite a bit. You see the story of Betty and Barney Hill show up a lot in documentaries on TV, but you guys really dove into there. You guys got into her background and that she was a, a sci-fi film nut and all the films that were coming out at the same time that may have influenced her with some of the things that they might have saw. We had seen that there were other TV shows, there were other podcasts, there were, you know, like you said, there's so many different source materials for that particular story. One thing that we kind of decided when we started the podcast is that, yes, we were going to put all the information out and we were going to give as concise a story as we possibly could regarding all these different subjects, but we weren't going to tell people what they should think. We weren't even going to, honestly, we weren't really even going to believe all the conspiracies that we were going through. 
if you could hear this uh, Zeta Reticuli episode that you're speaking of, I question a lot the validity of Benny and Barney Hill's experience. Yeah, you had said that at the end of it. Yeah, I even had, you know, a kind of a weird conspiracy twist myself on that story. I mean, we wanted to put the facts out there, do our homework, but also look at it from kind of an abstract way of thinking. What else could have happened? What could have explained these same situations that weren't related to aliens or related to government conspiracy or related to, you know... As much as we are a conspiracy podcast, we are also a conspiracy podcast that does their homework. And I think nowadays, especially in the conspiratorial world, a lot of theorists don't really do their background. Uh, memes are easy. You know, you see pictures with a, with a little subtitle and you go, oh, that's fact. I saw it on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's a whole lot of that nowadays. Yeah, a lot of people get confused if they looked on your Facebook and took everything for fact on there, huh? <laughs> I checked you guys out for the first time probably about two weeks ago on Facebook, and man, I probably spent 30 minutes just scrolling through your feed, looking at all the crap you guys posted. <laughs> <laughs> Some good stuff, man. Yeah, we we got a, we got a lot of ideas out there. <laughs> no, it sounds like you guys have a lot of fun. I'm not going to give any spoilers away because I want people to go out and actually listen to your episode. It's a great episode. Thank you. That one and the Montauk and Philadelphia one. Those are my two favorite. Close third is the Majestic 12 one. I really like that one too. Where you guys really opened my eyes is when I've listened to your first episode. Near the end, you were talking about the Montauk incident. You were talking about ties it has with Stranger Things mm -hmm. and how Stranger Things is loosely based off the Montauk and the Montauk boys. Man, you blew my mind. You had me looking it up the rest of the night. Yeah, there was a little known fact that Stranger Things was actually going to be called Montauk, um, and it was going to take place in Montauk, New York. So there's a lot of things, a lot of ideas that are pulled from government experiments, uh, conspiracy theories, anything regarding the paranormal, cryptids, things that are uh, abstract thoughts are pulled a lot into your daily lives, whether it be television or movies or even podcasts. So there is a conspiracy that all the TV and everything that you see is another government experiment, is that they are preparing you, they're priming your brain to see these things so that they don't seem ridiculous. And so that it seems like it's an everyday sort of thing, so that when somebody talks about it, you go, oh, well, you picked that up from this TV show or this movie, and it kind of discredits the people that may have actually had these experiences. So, yes, there's a lot of that. <laughs> if anybody was listening to this and they're interested in Stranger Things and they like that show on Netflix, take a listen to their first episode on the Philadelphia Experiment and the Montauk Project. Do you guys have any cryptid shows that are coming up? That's what I'm into. Yeah, we were talking about the plan for our second season. We're kind of taking this in seasons. So next season, we are going to have the Cryptid Corner episodes, which are going to be kind of like bonus episodes besides our 10 regular episodes for the season. And we'll probably do a couple of those, maybe two to three. But not to say that we wouldn't dive into a good cryptid story in one of the regular episodes. We're still flushing that out but yeah we're it's something that we're definitely diving into nice well i'll look forward to that man i'm a huge cryptid guy i had an incident when i was younger i mean i can't tell you for sure if i saw a bigfoot but that's the closest it could be 
to anything that, mm. that I could think of. And I still feel that way. I definitely think that there's things out there. I don't believe in 99% of them. I think the stories are cool, <laughs> but I can't say that I believe in all of them. Yeah, a few of them are a little out there, but they are fun, like you said. <laughs> One of my co-hosts was just driving over to California, and he did this really cool thing where when he was driving through each state, he was listening to podcasts or YouTube videos highlighting different cryptids from the state that he was currently in, and he said he had a blast mm. doing it. Yeah, that that actually sounds really great. We put out a little thing on our Twitter. We were looking for people to talk about different cryptids or paranormal stories that came from their states and that was a fun little thing on twitter you get to see you know where everybody's from and stories that they've told and there's a really wacky one in california that we highlighted just to kind of get the conversation rolling it's in california it's called the central american wind tosser it looks like a dog but it's got 10 legs in varying angles on its body and its body is like triangular. That when it attacks you, it barrel rolls because it has it, feet coming out. Yeah, angles. right. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny reading the background story. It was like, hey, if you want to kill a wind tosser, all you got to do is trap it inside of a, a chimney or a pipe. Oh, that's it. I, I guess so. I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, shit. You had me all nervous there. <laughs> we actually, we were planning on doing a podcast on Strictly Cryptids. And then it kind of opened up into this kind of along the same lines as you guys where we're having these weird conversations. We're like, well, maybe we shouldn't just limit this to cryptids. So we opened it up to a lot of different things. So out of all the episodes that you guys have recorded so far, right, you guys have eight episodes, which is including your uh, introductory episode. Which one did you enjoy doing the most? Which one did you enjoy doing the research for? Which one did you enjoy the story? Uh, I think the JFK episode, which was a double episode, yep. but I think the JFK episode was for us, well, at least for me, it was the most enjoyable to dive into and it was the most enjoyable to research. There were so many different sources for information. It was wild. It's still the episode that has the most research notes to it. If you look at all three of us, it's a pile. That's a pile of notes on that conspiracy. You know, who could have done it? Who was responsible? Why? We did background on all the players that could have been involved in the assassination, the background on his presidency. It was one of those episodes that we did our work on and it felt good because at the end of it, we were like, yeah, I think we got all our bases covered on that. You guys talked about it for almost two hours. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it equals out to a lot more, but restraints. Are you more of like a history guy? Oh, yeah. I love history, and I think that's where I kind of fell in love with conspiracy because there's so many conspiracies. You know, when when a lot of people think of conspiracy theories, they think very rigidly, maybe along the lines of the last hundred years or so. And when you think of conspiracy, you also think of only America. Yeah. Maybe it's just one of those things where... You know, you live in the country, and of course, that's what you're going to identify with. I mean, conspiracy happens, obviously, all over the world, and it's been happening for thousands of years. It's been happening since the time of the pharaohs. You can look back, and you can see throughout all eras of history that there is some sort of conspiracy, whether it be a paranormal conspiracy, a government plot against its own people, or even a cryptid. Yeah. There's a lot of cryptids that go back with the history of their stories and their origins 
hundreds, if not thousands of years. Yeah, isn't it strange how you have these written histories, whether it be on cave walls or in Egyptian hieroglyphs of dog men murdering and slaughtering people. Then you see that the werewolf or the lugaru comes up in French folklore, and then you have it also show up in a lot of Asian countries, and now we have our own dogman thing going on here. It's insane how some of these things just never fail the passage of time, and it's always there. Yeah, that's very true. I think the most interesting thing, especially when it comes to, you know, whether it be aliens or it be cryptids, if you look at world culture, there's a lot of the same parallels, whether it be in North America or Africa or Europe, anywhere in the world, you see a lot of parallels. Yeah. If you want to jump into cave writings, like you said, there's pieces of cave art in South America that look to a T, same depiction, same description, same attribute. It's like a carbon copy of something that you've seen in caves over in Africa. Just the idea of a pyramid showing up uh, different parts of the, the world and mm-hmm. having transcripts in there of these flying gods that come from the sun or from the stars or from the moon. I mean, who's to say that they weren't just all influenced by extraterrestrials? The case for the existence of extraterrestrials, especially in our history, is massive. There's so much information and there's so much, I'd be brazen enough to say, there's so much fact out there to show that there is the existence of these beings. There's these existence of interstellar travelers that have come to us. And whether or not they're still here is a whole nother thing, but they definitely have been here. And they've been here during a time when people didn't know what the hell they were, you know? So chalk it up to being a god. There's a lot of evidence of them coming to us. Just if you look at Egyptian culture in itself, a lot of hieroglyphs and a lot of things of the sort show that there were gods that came here from the skies. They came down on these these spinning crafts. Even, what was his name? Uh, Danakin. Danakin wrote Chariots of the Gods. And he describes how in the Bible they speak of beings traveling in large balls of fire coming down from the sky, landing and interacting with humans. If you look at different descriptions of different gods within the South American culture. The way that they're depicted, they look like astronauts. They give them helmets and they talk about these ships or what they would translate to be ships coming down from the heavens and visiting their people and requiring sacrifice of them. There's a lot of evidence behind it. I think there's a certain human quality that we like to keep ridiculous and supernatural paranormal stories going because it gives us a sense that there's more than what we are in this world. But to have the parallels of a hundred different cultures throughout a thousand years of history going on and perpetuating this story that they were visited from the sky and they were visited from visitors of from another world and it drawing into the 21st century where people are talking about abductions and they're talking about, you know, lights in the sky, fire in the sky. It's either a massive push in the minds of humans to keep this story going or there's validity to it. I'm going to throw a couple ideas out there for you. 
I like ideas. Personally, just thinking the idea of a, another race of being coming from a different star system to our star system, taking into consideration how far a light year is and how the closest star system to us is... I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I believe I remember seeing something along the lines of 14 light years away from us, meaning that it would take 14 years to travel there by light speed. It's so far out of my grasp. You know what I mean? I had mentioned before in one of our other episodes that it's kind of the point of view of the ant, right? The ant knows everything in its 2D world where it's walking around on the pavement or in the grass, and it has no idea of what's going on out here. They have no idea the concept of traffic or us going to work and airplanes flying through the sky is just completely unfathomable to them. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get to disconnect from. Myself a little bit too. And for absolutely no reason whatsoever, I really am intrigued by the idea of there being interdimensionals instead of extraterrestrials. Thinking of either being living parallel to yourself the distance doesn't have to be traveled as far they can literally occupy the exact same space as you for the most part just on a different dimensional plane to think that the technology to jump into another dimension where physical distance isn't necessarily a factor i find it more believable than to think that one that a technology has been created in the universe that allows you to travel that far of a distance in a time that would allow for you to do it within a generation of your species lifespan. Because if we were to do it, it would take multiple generations and the resources would be unfathomable. It would be nowhere near us actually doing it. And by the time we actually got there, the people who were in there, which would be 20, 30, 40 generations away, would have no idea why they're doing it. You know, just simply jumping over to another dimension. And I say simply, and that's definitely not the word I mean. But I find that more fathomable that that would be the case. And let's just say that another dimensional being came over and taught us a little bit more about how things are supposed to go along those lines more than an extraterrestrial coming here. Now, I love the idea of extraterrestrials and I love talking to people about it. And that's just my two cents on the topic. I ride the bench with the extra dimensionals and not so much with the extraterrestrials. What do you think about extradimensionals? What if I threw you a curveball and told you that they were the same thing? Ooh, could you explain that? Yeah. Okay, so extraterrestrials are beings from another planet. Yeah. We understand that. Extradimensionals being from another dimension. In order to understand dimensionality, you have to look into space travel. This is going to be very difficult to explain, but... So if you were traveling in a straight line, and let's say you were at the closest planet 14 light years away, like you said, you're an extraterrestrial and you're saying, okay, I'm going to travel to Earth 14 light years away. In traveling those 14 light years, you are traveling into the future, mm -hmm. which is time travel. Correct. In a 4D, the fourth dimension, yep. the fourth dimension is time. Yep. So therefore, you being an extraterrestrial traveling in a straight line through time mm -hmm. makes you an extradimensional at the same time as an extraterrestrial. <laughs> because you are traveling through time, and time is the fourth dimension. And technically, you'd be traveling through the dimension. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
another way to look at it is there's a popular theory that, okay, there is no linear travel of light years. So if, uh, if an extraterrestrial is looking to travel to Earth 14 light years away, he's not going to take the straight line. What he's going to do is he's going to fold space-time. So fold space-time introduces the idea of wormholes. Now, a wormhole is just like a tunnel. But again, a tunnel, in the way that wormholes work, it's a one-way shot. So you would have these extraterrestrials jumping into a wormhole, coming to Earth, and not being able to go back home because... In traveling through a wormhole, you are also traveling through time-space, and time-space does not work in reverse. So therefore, you going back through the wormhole would not work, because you would essentially be going back in time, and that's not allowed. <laughs> to, to further blow your mind, you have to go into the fifth dimension of travel. What I believe is there are different variations of interdimensionals and extraterrestrials. There are some species or some races that did take that linear route, but they have some sort of, you know, whether it be a more advanced culture, more advanced technology, they have a way to make that 14 light years in a snap. Okay. But again, they can't go back because that's just the rules of the universe can't go back in time but there's also travelers that travel within the fifth dimension within the fifth and sixth dimension you start getting into consciousness now consciousness exists within that dimension and we can't see it so who's to say that these interplanetary travelers or interdimensional travelers aren't just traveling with their consciousness Therefore, you take the thought process of time and distance out of it because your physical body is not moving. Your consciousness is moving. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I got to stop you here for a second. So correct me if I'm wrong. What I'm seeing as you're describing this is that alien beings technically aren't here or they don't come here. Their consciousness travels and then are we seeing them in a different body? Is this like a fabricated body that they had sent out here and it's just their consciousness controlling it? You could also be diving into clones. You could be diving into <laughs> uh, host bodies, which is also a thing that conspiracists have been talking about for a long time, is the existence of drone bodies, of, of just empty vessels that are taken over by a consciousness and those people or those entities live within that body. Like I said, you have many different races of aliens. If you look through it, you have Draconians, you have the Reticulans. Lizards. Yeah, you have you have so many different races and the 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 background and the reasoning for them being here is it, it's endless. So you, you could you could dive into, you know, a two hour show on that alone. Hint hint. You mean in a show where they talked about alien trades and alien drugs and stuff? That, that, that kind go. of show? What are aliens <laughs> trading? Um, hey, for anybody that didn't get that reference, that's one of their episodes. So if you're interested in that, <laughs> go take a look at that one. That one's, uh, that's your newest one, isn't it? Yeah, that's the Zeta Reticuli incident. Anybody listening to this has to go check that episode out. One of my favorites for sure. Go ahead, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's okay. 
who's to say within the realm of the universe or somewhere off in the void, there is not some alien race that exists only through energy or only through plasma or only through, you know, some sort of disembodied consciousness. And with that, they can travel through the fifth and sixth dimension cut down their travel time where they are in a place instantaneously. All they have to do is imagine where they are. I'm, I'm putting it very basically that my human brain can understand, but they just think of a place and bam, there they are. When you start getting into the traveling of beings and the traveling of consciousness, then you start getting into string theory and math that I don't know past like basic algebra. So, <laughs> um, there's a lot to be understood and there's a lot to unpack there. You know, imagine that the universe is a donut with a hole in the middle and it's just constantly moving inward. Okay. So you have all this inward movement and everything that goes into the middle loops around underneath on the outside, up top in the middle again, forever and ever and ever for all of time. So that would mean the moment that you're living in right now has happened a trillion times, a million fold has happened so many times. And you are exactly where you've always been. Your future is the way it's always been. And that's how fifth and sixth dimensional traveling would work is now you have to find where you want to be on a particular timeline in a particular void in space. And this is how they move. It's like coming up with X and Y axis and then adding W and Z axis. To, it's a lot to take in. You're blowing my mind, dude. I love this. Yeah, the way that traveling works, I think, is, is all dimensional. Like I said, there are alien races that I'm sure have traveled in a linear way, but even still in a fourth dimensional travel because they are traveling throughout that timeline. But I think the really advanced races, the really and the more advanced they are, the less interested they are in us, which I think they're visiting us is probably very scarce. When you start getting into that advanced type of race, you see less of that. Those beings and those entities, I don't think travel to us very often. <laughs> I mean, imagine you're just a, a ball of energy floating throughout the cosmos. You know, you're going to say, hey, I want to go visit humans. No. No. Have you ever heard of the Fermi paradox? Vaguely. Vaguely. Just as a refresher, the Fermi paradox in a nutshell says that there's no reason why any alien race would ever want to come here because we're violent and we're stupid. Yeah. But also at the same time, if you're looking at the entirety of existence there possibly could be what we wrap our mind around is, you know, five to 10 different alien races, because that's what we have either seen, either know, or have done our homework on. But in reality, there could be thousands, there could be millions. And somewhere along that tiered system of alien races, there are other races that are on the same level as us. They are just as chaotic, they are just as destructive, and they may be more advanced technologically. They could have just as much going on with them. They could have just be having as much of a shitty 2020 as we are. <laughs> and that's where the scary part comes in, is if you look at how violent we are as a race, now imagine a more technologically advanced race traveling to us that is just as chaotic and just as destructive 
And that's where the idea of alien invasion comes in. <laughs> so in order to make any of this happen, you really have to believe that traveling through the fifth and sixth dimensions would have to be a must. It would have to be a must for alien races that didn't want to be stuck within our galaxy or be stuck within our quadrant of the universe. Right, because if, if they're traveling through the fourth dimension, like you said, when they take the wormhole path, there's no getting back. They're here for good. Yeah, it's a one-way shot, which is why you know a lot of people believe in hollow Earth. Uh... The hollow Earth theory is that there are beings that live within the shell of this planet. They get into the planet through some sort of void or hole that exists in Antarctica, apparently. But that's not so far outside the realm of belief if you have a race that knew they were taking that one-way shot. They knew there was no going back. They were either running from a planet that was destroyed or they were looking to expand their own civilization they come here and the best suited planet earth you can't coexist maybe they're a race that doesn't believe in violence they don't believe in destroying things they've moved on from that and the only way that they can coexist with a race that is violent is to just not be there to be somewhere else. Every time we set off one of those nuclear bombs, it's like someone stomping on the ceiling, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, which is why you see so many stories and so many eyewitness accounts, especially in the military, from some sort of flying object going close to missile silos and turning off nuclear missiles. Wow, yeah. You know, or d disabling their rocket systems. Imagine having that upstairs neighbor that's really noisy and really annoying. <laughs> I never really bought into the idea of hollow earth theory. I mean, I've heard it, but uh, it's one of those things where you hear and you're like, okay, cool, next. But going back to something else you said when you were talking about them trying to find another planet to live because they had reached the end of their planet cycle, or wouldn't you think that there would be better places other than here? Aren't we closer towards the end of our lifespan? Because our sun is slowly becoming a red giant, isn't it? Slowly but surely, but then again, you'd have to know the life cycle of that race that decided to stop here. Is it less or more than us? Do they have a life expectancy that is hundreds of years, or do they have a life expectancy that is something of humans in the 1700s where they live to 35 years old? It's really all perspective. Maybe a carbon-based atmosphere and a planet in the Goldilocks zone, you just gotta take it when you find it. Yeah, maybe they all took a chance. Maybe there were a bunch of different fleets or units, and they all said, okay, look, we don't know which one's going to be good for us, but here's one viable planet, here's five viable planets, let's all split up, good to see you, good to know you, wish you well, and they all just went and see who could propagate the race. So here goes some conspiracy stuff for you. <laughs> let's say that something like the hollow earth is true. Right. And we have mm -hmm. a race or multiple races of extraterrestrial beings living below our feet. Do you think that the government knows? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We just did a back to back episode set on missing 411. We talked a little bit at the end of the second episode about how strange the government is about the protection of certain plots of land throughout the United States in which they deemed national forest. We had talked about how there's theories out there saying that. Theodore Roosevelt created these 
places to either keep tribes of Bigfoot safe or being like wormholes into other dimensions. Do you think that there's a possibility that there could be an entrance to this underground world in national parks here in the United States? As far as within the United States, I wouldn't think so in the United States. If you're looking at like dimensional gateways, there's a few in the United States. Just right off the top of my head, there's uh, Shasta Mountain out in California. That is like one of the biggest like dimensional portways or whatever they want to call it. Is that the one where there's like this huge rock wall and people will camp out next to it and they'll see like mammoths come through a portal or something? Yeah, it's it, there's been a lot of stories around Shasta Mountain, but mostly what it boils down to is like high frequencies. The frequencies around the mountain and around the mouth of like certain caves have been like astronomical to the point where it makes human bodies feel like we're superhuman. High frequencies does a lot to human bodies. But besides that, I would say, like I had previously mentioned, Antarctica. If you want to dive into a little bit of history like we were talking about earlier, during World War II, the Nazis, the Germans, they had sent ships to Antarctica and they were building underground bases in Antarctica. They had entire cave systems that would go up meters high. There's aerial footage of it. There's infrared footage of it. You can find these things very simply by looking at even Google Earth. There's certain parts of Antarctica that satellites don't look at. Hmm. It kind of gave way, and I think it coincides with another realm of conspiracy, the Flat Earth. Flat Earthers, I'm sorry. You're going to hate me, and you're going to talk as much shit as you can, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's bullshit. <laughs> Flat Earth is is not a real thing. They base it on, oh, well, there's massive ice walls that surround Antarctica. The massive ice walls that surround Antarctica are to keep you out, not to keep you from falling over an edge. There's plenty of holes in the ground in Antarctica, massive holes. I'm not talking like little man-made dug holes. I'm talking massive, maybe kilometers wide. Where you can easily fit like a giant spaceship through. Exactly. They go deep. If you know anything about the Nazis in World War II, Hitler and his henchmen were very much into the occult. They spent so much money on it, so much time. There were entire units and scientists devoted to just the occult and space travel. They were very much into aliens. So mm. when you see World War II Nazis sending tons of ships down to Antarctica for no apparent reason and setting up shop down there, what could it be? And then post-World War II, America moves in and Antarctica is shut down, or at least a lot of parts of Antarctica are shut down besides, quote-unquote, researchers that are allowed to go there. There's a big air of mystery when it comes to Antarctica, especially for me and a lot of other people, mostly when it comes to, unfortunately, flat earthers. <laughs> I brought Google up real quick. I just punched in Antarctica giant holes, and the first thing that pops up is this satellite image of a hole the size of Kansas yep. that seemingly just appeared. Mm -hmm. But wow, look at look at all these freaking things. So when you look at those holes, a common theory is that there is a straight beeline to the center of the Earth in those holes. And the reason that those holes are created is because of thermal dynamic like heat transfer from the center of the earth essentially boring up through miles of ice 
and making these holes. Well, it makes sense. Anything that's hot has to have a way to release its compression. Exactly. But transversely, I look at it as there are holes that also exist in Russia, uh, Siberia. There are a lot of vast, vast holes all over this world. A lot of you know media or news will tell you, oh yeah, that, that's just a sinkhole. Well, why is the sinkhole the size of a small city? Yeah, I got to get off Google, man. I got to focus on this. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back in the, you know. There, the, there's your rabbit hole. <laughs> I, dude, I'm we're way down it right now. <laughs> uh, this, you know, we might have to touch more on this on another episode. I'll take a swing at this. This is something that I definitely have to do some research into. This is mind-blowing. Yeah, I got to use some other sources other than Google, but that's <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> brought you the deep dive oh thank you man and i will tell anybody that's listening look i am not a string theorist i am not a mathematician take a lot of what i say about dimensions with a grain of salt but that's how i interpret them and through a lot of research my brain understood it so you explained it really well too thanks a lot for all that it's awesome stuff all right mike i gotta <laughs> catch my breath here man yeah, yeah. I gave you a lot there. You did. <laughs> There's a lot of different points. We started off, what did we start off talking about? We started talking yeah, about alien races, right? And then we ended <laughs> up with giant holes in Antarctica that can house species of extraterrestrials underneath our feet. You'd be surprised how many otherworldly conspiratorial things all intertwine. It's It's kind of wild. Well, thanks for taking us on this ride. That was a lot of fun. I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping this up here, Mike. Yeah, of course. If you guys' minds are blown and you'd like to hear Mike and his buddies talk a little bit more about some of these really far-out conspiracy theories, you can do so. Tune in to Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Mike, can you kind of talk a little bit about where everyone can find you? We're on all streaming platforms. We're on iHeartRadio, and we also have a YouTube channel, so you can check us out on there. Pretty much anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, there we are. Uh, under the same name, Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, we are on all social media also. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We even have a TikTok Sadly, Ooh. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know. We've been having fun with it. People don't like it, but, you know. <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> uh, but other than that, yeah, you can reach out to us through our social medias, or you can even email us if you have any questions, and yeah, we'll get back to you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but your next episode drops on November 2nd, correct? Yes. And you guys drop episodes every two weeks? Yeah, it's every Monday. Uh, if it's a two-parter, it'll be concurrent Mondays. But if it's a new topic, we will skip a Monday. So it's every other Monday. This next episode is about the year 2012. Did the world end? Mm. Did our dimension collapse? Are we in an alternate reality? We uh, we go through it all. 12, 21, 12, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Are we all dead right now? Or 12, 21, 21. Ooh. And then you guys have your season finale on November 9th, which is your live feed episode, correct? Yes. Uh, November 9th, we will all be live. You will hear us fuck up a lot and go off on tangents and probably <laughs> not be as polished as regular episodes are. But either way, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're taking people's questions, any topics that they want us to cover or anything like that. We have a couple topics that we're going to go through just light little things we're going to get into some secret society type stuff and we're going to have giveaways 
a little contest, maybe even get a little Hush Hush t-shirt. Ooh. So make sure you find us. Nice. What platform are you going to be doing that on? <laughs> to be completely honest, we have not figured it out. It will most likely be something of the sort, uh, maybe YouTube or Facebook Live or a, a mixture of a bunch of different ones. Well, this episode is going to be aired on the 30th of October. If anybody's listening to this episode right now, you have 10 days to find the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour on social media and find out where they're going to have this episode. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Declassified Dave is really, really great graphic designer, so he's making a bunch of t-shirt and merch stuff for us that we'll be giving away, so I, I look forward to that myself. I'm going to get a hoodie. I think I worked that day, but I'll tell the other guys about it. Maybe they'll stop in. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. This is great. This is actually the first podcast any of us have guested on since we started the show. So it's always great to get on other people's shows and kind of kick back and shoot the shit with other people and get their ideas and their thoughts on things. It's it's really great. Hell yeah, man. Not only do I say thank you for just doing this for my podcast, but thanks for just coming on and have a conversation with me because I'm not going to lie to you. I was extremely nervous about my very first interview with another podcast host and you made it really easy, man. You brought some really good quality content. Man, once we got going, it just seemed like time flew. Yeah. Hour goes by quick. It does. <laughs> I would like to say thank you to Mystery Mike for coming on. If any of you hushlings out there want to follow us on social media, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole or our brand new Twitter page at twitter.com forward slash infinite RH. That's all I got, man. You got anything else you want to put out? I'm going to give you the mic. You could just say whatever you want. Yeah, tune into Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Check out our live show. Come on, have a chat with us, shoot the shit. Have fun. We'll give you some stuff. You'll give us some stuff. <laughs> It'll be mutually beneficial. Um, and if you're a conspiracy theorist, all I ask is you do your homework. Because <laughs> Mike's going to be ready. That's right. Thank you for joining us on this episode. If you'd like to comment on this episode, you can do so on facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. If you have a story to share with us or would like to be interviewed, you can contact us at infinite rabbit hole at gmail.com. Thank you again, and have a great day.